Are you ready to spark the flame of creativity? Welcome to the Kindling Project Podcast, where women come together to share, inspire, and grow, giving us insight into the people and processes that help them bring their Kindling Project to fruition. I'm Mick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Firestarter, and friend, Mel. Together, we want to ignite your inner spark and help bring your passion projects to life by creating spaces to empower and support you. We're so glad you're here. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Kindling Project Podcast. Hey, Mel, what's going on today? Oh, my gosh. We have this amazing guest, Celeste, today who is just making an impact with millions of women and girls around the world. Yes, Celeste, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Kindling Project. It is such an honor to have you and so excited to be with you. Once I learned about her bio and her company and all the amazing things she's doing, I thought she's perfect. She's definitely a fire starter. We definitely want to hear all about her and share her story with all our listeners. But Celeste, impossible. Your schedule, by the way, to just give everyone a glimpse of what your weekend looked like. Well, I was speaking and then went to Days for Girls Canada and had an event there where I also got to speak and be with the leaders of Days for Girls. And then I Flew home and had a meeting in Washington State, and I fly tomorrow morning to Utah and then start the book tour, and we'll be all over the U.S. That's crazy. How many speaking engagements do you do a year? I read it was a crazy number. Yeah, I average about 52 a year. Wow. One a week. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine? And Were you always a natural speaker? Was this something you always enjoyed doing? I do love speaking. And for me, it's like crowd surfing. Only you just are watching for when their eyes light up, right? So for me... Oh my gosh. And so for what? how long are your talks usually? And is it always the same topic or do you... Well, I know that they say that if you want to be just rebookable all the time, you should go with the same speech. But I actually have four. And I like to, it's always woven with days for girls, but I like to lean in where they're interested. So I have one that's about the power of we, what happens when we come together as a team. I have one called Mind the Gap, and that's really the power of a moment and how Mm -hmm. in any moment we can interpret what we think is happening and how it will affect us going forward. And that's really powerful. And then some are about community building and some are about women's health. So I really emphasize the same message, but cater it to their particular lens. Okay. Well, you just mentioned so many things, right, Mel? Where do we even start? Where do you want to dive in, Mel? Do you want to know about the book? Do you want to know about the foundation? Where should we start? Well, I want to definitely hear about the book, but Mick and I are at the early stages of community building. So we welcome your knowledge and information and tips about community building because that's really what the Kindling Project for us is about, is building an online and in real life community of women. I love that. And so important, right? Community is so big. Okay, so my biggest thing that I've learned along the way is making your messages, and you're good at this already, making your messages about what's important to them. So as nonprofit leaders, community builders, we often think, oh, what I need to speak to is how great the value is here. And all the important things we're doing. But in reality, and I should say in reality, it's Mm -hmm. important for them to know what's in it for them. 
Why yes. should they invest their time and their experience and their not because they're thinking only of themselves, but because we each have to choose where to put our resources, time and energy, right? So right. so helping them understand this is a place you want to be, or just as importantly, this isn't a place you want to be, so that everybody is comfortable and and eager to be part of the change you make by showing up together is really important. So this is what you've done that's made an impact with us. We want to highlight that. You are welcome here to this, right? So all about them mm-hmm. makes it possible for them to see themselves in the room when they're watching your social media, even if they're not in the community yet. And all about by focusing those you're working with, those you benefit, those you want in your community, that's when you build a community. I think you said everything, every word you said makes me realize why you're such an effective public speaker, because that's exactly what you're doing every time you're public speaking, right? You're engaging them and you're telling a story that is, it is your story, but you're weaving it into them where they're understanding and saying, oh, resonating with it. And I think that's a, it's an art and the way you just communicate it, it it makes sense why you're so good at it and why you're booked 52 Mm -hmm. engagements a year. (laughs) Thank you. So what's the big story in the book that you're on tour for right now? Okay. So the power of days, a story of resilience, dignity, and the fight for women's equity is the founding story of the global nonprofit days for girls Mm -hmm. And it's the story of how I developed the mindset that would invite people to be included in the conversation, would trust people like, here's Days for Girls, here's our brand kit, here's all our things, come on, and trust them with it, right? Right, trust is a big part, right? Exactly. And so why build it in a way that asked a hybrid of people around the world, those, so that we could be local, but also connect globally? And leading locally, but connecting globally is a puzzle, way harder than just do it this way, right? Mm -hmm. And so we create social ventures for those that are in a community where they can build a business doing it and do what they would volunteer to do, but be able to provide jobs where they are, as well as volunteer opportunities. And so why did that happen for me? And the stories that led to that. And honestly, the stories of those we serve with are so inspiring and sometimes heartbreaking. But I promise it always turns into the amazing proof that when we come together, there isn't anything we can't do. We can do anything. I agree with that. So can you tell us a little bit more? You were telling me before we got on about your eye-opening moment in Kenya that really inspired Days for Girls. Absolutely. I was helping a friend's foundation do sustainable solutions that they could count on, like agriculture and solar ovens and and different kinds of pumps and wells, things that they could own and take to stewardship for and help their community thrive and keep education going. So that's what I was focusing on. Every six months, I would come with a suite of selections. They would choose what they wanted to lean in and we'd come back and do it again. So I was introduced to an orphanage. I had been helping them just when I passed through town every year and a half. In 2008, when Days for Girls started, before it started, there was post-election violence and half a million people were displaced in a relatively stable place. And now this orphanage exploded to 1,400 kids. 
Mm. So imagine all the calls for help. And then fast forward, and there are now children that we're struggling for how to feed them. And I discover, and I'm told that they sit on pieces of cardboard for days during their periods. A shocking thing, because I had not thought to ask. And so we, how do you create a solution? We were able to send money for food and money for other things they needed and disposable pads. But I had the gift of something I didn't always consider a gift of having been raised in poverty. So I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to go without. And as a result, I knew if the next month they needed to choose between food and pads, they would choose food. And that would be the right choice. So how do you make a solution that can month last month after month? And so we made washable pads as our first solution. And the design wasn't very good. I can say that. I designed it. And, but we listened. And they taught us what they really needed. And the first thing they taught me as we came out from talking about what a period is and no need to have stigma and shame anymore because without periods, there would be no people and your bodies are amazing. And let's share with you how. Right. They're just remarkable. So we had that conversation. They come out with their new Days for Girls kits, which we didn't even call it that then. And they come to the door and they're smiling and their cheers echoing off the roof. And the first girls say, thank you so much. Because before you came, we had to let them use us if we wanted to leave the room and go to class. Oh. I was hoping that didn't mean what I feared it meant. And it turned out they were being sexually exploited in exchange for a single disposable pad. And that oh. was the moment Days for Girls was born. I'm speechless. Yeah. You were meant to take in that, you know, rather awful and stunning information. So this was in 2008. Now in 2024 or 23, fast forward, how many women, young girls have you helped? We have helped over 3 million women, girls, and people with periods in 145 countries on six continents. Wow. All because you took the time to listen, to pay attention, and decided that you would do something about it. I think that's amazing because so many women or so many people think when they think of social enterprise or think about making a difference, they always think, oh, we can never do it so big. I can't even imagine. But you just took one problem or one need and you figured out a solution. And to your point, it wasn't even the best solution, but it's just got the wheels going, which is incredible. How big is your team? Well, now there are global volunteers. Over 70,000 people have been part of Days for Girls. You can volunteer all over the world with local chapters. There's enterprises. Our administration team is relatively small because of phenomenal volunteers. And it's locally in pockets because it's important to us. It's a global conversation. And it, your, to your point, it wasn't perfect to begin with. It still isn't. We're still learning. We went through 30 iterations of our pads and now hold two patents for the genius of user-led design, right? Right. And this is really a miracle of listening, joining hands and saying, we're not going to focus on the things we hate, the things we're different about, Mm -hmm. the things we're going to focus just on. We all agree that this is something we can change in our lifetimes. Let's go. 
So did you have a lot of like pushback from certain countries or like religion or cultures that felt like, no, this is a bit personal and and you're sort of crossing the bear, like the boundaries here? Yes and no. I mean, I think this was, it was time for this conversation, right? The world was ready a lot. We're not talking about it at the time, Mm -hmm. but I think it was the time. And this is one of the world's most prevalent taboos. I mean, right where we are. No matter where you are, guaranteed people would talk about anything but this. I mean, there are statistics and reports you can look up that people would rather talk about STIs or diarrhea than menstruation. Both things you wouldn't expect people to volunteer to discuss, right? Right. And and why? Because it's actually miraculous. So many things about our bodies are so... This is amazing. And then there's the taboo about menopause. And I want you to notice both of these are about women. So especially those right. who love women should be all about, okay, that I have a sister, mother, brother, whatever. <laughs> right. We're not going to make this taboo anymore. But the truth is I had people schedule me to speak, having heard, you know, this is a great presentation, never come. And then they would call back and say, we just heard what you're going to talk about. We need to cancel. Real oh, no. 2010 that was happening regularly. We had a woman's investment group who had vetted us, who had decided we were the one they were going to give their first investments to, and then called back and said, we have fought too hard to get through the glass ceiling. We just can't go here. We're sorry. People I can't even imagine. I, d- I can see, though, the level of shame and secret secrecy around women's issues, even much smaller Mm -hmm. issues than menstruation. You know, we still kind of fight this, like, for space to talk about our stuff. Yes. And ironically to me, what do you feel? I feel like there's a certain amount of invisibility, like not even seeing us in the room (laughs) sometimes. At least there has been for me. But I my first degree I pursued was electrical engineering. I had a family tragedy and had to step back, but, and they couldn't even see me in the room at the time, really. And at so many tables, that's been true. And, and here's the beautiful thing. Now, this isn't the only important thing in the world. It isn't. It is one of those things that we can actually do. We can just decide, no more shame about that. If I need a tampon, I'm pulling it out and walking, right? Right, we, exactly. Don't even have to go that extreme. Right. <laughs> I'm not. Right. going to hold this energy of shame anymore. Women are in the building and we need to be leaders and we need to be seen. And there is no issue associated with us that doesn't connect to every single human on the planet. Yeah. We're here. We're talking. I mean, even in much more affluent communities than the ones here in, in Kenya, there's discussions about should the feminine hygiene products be free? Should they be available to everyone? Should you have to pay for them? It's like that, you know, that female tax. That conversation comes up in, you know, in the elementary school, in the middle school here. Absolutely. And do you know there's actual data, a lot of it, that there was fear that if they provided free products, they would rate it, they would waste it, they would take it off and walk off with it, take and give it to other people. Do you know the first one study I saw was Queens, New York City? And Mm -hmm. they're like, let's be prepared with a big stock of friends. None of that happened. They were respectfully used as needed. I mean, all the fears we have, we don't have to have about this. Yeah. I think they're not our fears, (laughs) right? We know better. Which is why we can't hold any of them or Mm -hmm. they like none of it. Well, and 
I've had this conversation with some other female business leaders, and this is, you know, f- far removed from actual just having the supplies you need, but even just having some respect for women's rhythms and their work schedules. And there are going to be a few days a month where you're a little less productive and having just some ability to appreciate that level of sensitivity to women. I mean, that's like the ideal for me. Somewhere along the line, we build like workplaces and schools and whole communities around. We're different than they are. And a lot of times the spaces we're going into weren't built for us. Mm-hmm. Especially in places in the world. Dr. Catherine Bertini won the World Food Prize in 2006. And one of the things she gave her resources to were girls' bathrooms. Why? She's an right. agricultural specialist bringing food to the world. She's focused on food and hunger. So why did she do that? Because she explained girls were not able to go to school if they didn't have a bathroom that was for them. They weren't allowed to be in bathrooms with the boys. They weren't allowed to be there. They needed extra, They needed places to throw things away. They needed places to wash. None of these things were available to them. And she leaned in with them. So that conversation is important. My only, can I tell you Celeste Morgan's secret fear, having nothing yes. to do with anyone. It is not endorsed by anyone except uh-huh. for me. I do have concern, uh, you know, periods in the workplace and talking about that is such an important conversation and honoring everyone's rhythm. Some people are morning people, some people are evening people right. and we're different. So being able to keep the work schedule that works for you, I love that about COVID. I'm sorry that's melting away because it's a positive thing in my mm-hmm. opinion. And I different people's bodies respond different to menstruation. Some of us have a lot of pain. Some of us have none. Some of us have days where we're very tired or feel emotional. Some of us don't. Some of us have that sometimes, not other times. So I feel that I fear that there could be this ridiculous myth that, well, if you're on your period, then you can't be a good leader because it will be days, right? Or there's liability because she's not able to show up. So she's not. That conversation to me is too easily fallen into Mm -hmm. and so i would love it if it could be people can be trusted to keep their rhythm people can be trusted to do good work and either they are or they aren't and we can trust that that's the day i would love to see yeah now celeste though 145 countries you've been to and so uh, you know talking about the difference Oh, okay. So like all the differences, you've met so many women in so many countries. Can you really speak about some of the similarities as women? We talk about that so much. It's like, we're so alike, ultimately, like we need to come together to your point because together we can do so much, but we, Mm -hmm. yeah, we don't out of fear, unknown culture, not knowing what do you see is the one connecting or a few connecting things of being a woman? No matter oh, where you're from. Good question. I can absolutely confirm what you're saying. I have three passports full of proof that what connects us and what we have in common is far more than what we don't have common in common. We originally had people say, you can't write one curriculum for menstruation because people everywhere different need different things. So you can't do that. It needs to be culturally specific. And in truth, I have been on one particular tour when it was a listening tour to see how they were responding to the education. Where did it need to be tweaked so we can make a more permanent, semi-permanent curriculum? 
I noticed that they were asking the same questions and that a question that came up that was new echoed in community after community. One of these things, which is not quite universal, but is very widely happening, is they would ask, is it true that I'm the reason that I can only have girls because my husband is going to leave me because I haven't been able to have a boy? And now some said what you should teach is that men are responsible for that, not women. But that gave men like they're in control. No, they're not. That That isn't a fact. And what we right. wanted to say were facts, like no, right. no agenda, no, what's the fact? The fact is that the fastest sperm meets the egg of the month, which is a miracle in and of itself. And those right. two coming together, that's what it is, what becomes a little boy or little girl. And here's the other truth that they needed to know. That makes you the winner from the very first second you became, because from the beginning, you won. And that conversation shifts the blame to being, okay, that's all it is, and it's actually a good thing. So that echoed again and again, unfortunately, in communities all over the world. And the good news is when we have information, we can do better. When you have an invitation to consider things in new ways, then you can. But when, for instance, if I can share with you in Nepal and other places, there's a practice called chapati. And it's, you're untouchable when you're on your period. You're not allowed to be with people. You could cause harm to them. And you could see how you would think that if you didn't know what menstruation is, you would think that maybe, you know, blood, injury, illness. So you can see how that misunderstanding would happen. So people actually die in the sheds of asphyxiation or snake bites, and they know this is a risk. So why would the family risk their daughter, their mother, their aunt? And the truth is that they're actually being heroic. They're trying to save their family. They're trying to protect their family. They from, just don't from know better. Menstruation. Yes, because that's uh, what they think. Because right? that's still happening now? Oh, yeah. I would. I want to say a month ago, another one happened who died in the shed, I believe snake bite. And thankfully, it's been less, but it's been against, against the law since 2005. And it's been an, a finable offense since the end of 2018. So why would it continue? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, telling someone they're wrong, nobody likes to be made wrong. But telling someone, here's the information. Here's what a period actually is. And what if you richly cleanse this pad, which is washable and reusable, and then allowed them to be in their community, the government, the fining, all of that couldn't tell you what to do, but you could keep your tradition in new ways and honor your community and your family members. What if you did that? And they stand together and change their minds. And some communities have torn down their sheds with their own two hands. That's when it shifts, when it becomes a conversation that they're leading that has the facts and lets them be the solution. That's incredible. I can't even believe that's still happening. But to your point, like right. ultimately, is they think they're being very protective and caring for their family. So mm -hmm. speaking of families, you mentioned you just shed a little bit of light about your upbringing. You said, I know poverty. Do you mind? Do you want to talk about that? Do you mind telling sure. us a little bit about that? Well, 
I honestly see it as a gift now. I'm not trying to belittle poverty because it's mm. such an important pressing need to care for and overcome that as a species. And I feel really drawn to things that can create solutions. For me, we moved frequently. My parents really struggled, one with mental illness and one with just feeling like something would be better somewhere else. And so we moved 32 times before I was 13 years old. And sometimes along the way, we would be uh, along the road or rest stop or a state park and make do as we went. And as a result, there would be times when we would have like tuna fish sandwiches that were several days old. And, you know, you can imagine how I feel about tuna fish sandwiches now, but mm -hmm. at least we had one. And right. for me, it was, you know, just, it, it was very difficult. So, but one of these moments, if I could share with you, was a moment that really changed my perspective. And I used to think of it as an awful moment, I used to think of this moment and this woman as Corella DeVille. Do you remember the movie? Yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> so I was like five years old and I was walking along a pathway and I was feeling the warmth on the sidewalk and this little dog leash comes into view. It's like little rhinestones that go all the way up to a woman's hand and she had a half-eaten apple in her hand and she threw it into a dumpster that happened to be near us. So I'm watching it and it, you could hear it hit the bottom and I'm like, I, I wonder if I could get in there and get it and still get out. But I was really little and I just decided I couldn't. And I and realized she was looking me up and down. She said, where are your shoes, girl? And I said, I'm toughening my feet. <laughs> and I remember because I kept pulling it over and over because the next thing she just looked at me and it was like a mirror turned around and I could see what she saw when she looked at me. It felt like she she saw a dirty, unkempt, small girl. And, and I looked down at my feet and I felt small and poor and unimportant for a moment. And then I had this warm assurance, you're not from here. Right. It still makes me emotional because mm -hmm. my next feeling was, yeah, I need to tell her I am not from here. I am not what you see. I am not what you see. And I was too late when I looked up. She'd already turned and gone away. But that moment kind of replayed over and over. And, and I realized now, only like five years ago, I finally realized that I actually got the gift of being asked at such a young age, are you the homeless girl? Are you the girl that's hungry? Are you the girl with no shoes or are you something else? And I got to answer with all my being, I am not. Right. Not those things, right? And none of us are. It's so easy for us to identify with our trauma, with our position, good or bad, with it. And, and in truth, you're so much more than any of that. And we can move past traumatic and difficult seasons and create new things. I know that with all of my being. So when someone comes and says, you can't do that, or who do you think you are? Look out. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a challenge. You know, that's just a challenge, right? Yes. So that is so powerful. How do you translate that into sharing that with women? And how, what do you say to women? What is your tip for them? Here's the deal. None of us have to fall for someone's interpretation of who or what we should be and when. Mm -hmm. 
I don't care who they are. None of us have to. The person you're accountable is your heart, is that knowingness you have. And no one gets to define you. And not even your past or even what you think you're capable of. Because in my opinion and experience and knowing, your greatest strengths are hidden in your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And it is because of your weaknesses that you are prepared to show up for the people that know your message because they can resonate with the fact that you empathize. You do not sympathize. You empathize. That's a superpower. So the very places we're like hesitant to step up are actually the places that qualify us to shine 100%. Now, did you have siblings growing up? Is this something that you feel you do? Yes, I do. And I got to tell you, they are remarkable. And I honestly, like I said, just realized a few years ago, they didn't have an Apple moment. No. They had no. an older sister saying, you can do this, right? And I'm also a woman of faith. So I'm like, Psh, I got this. I expect miracles like every day. Like, I, I don't go like, mm, wonder if it could happen. It's like, no, expect them. This incredible, beautiful world. It, we're just being invited to show up, be together, follow your vision. So I, I expect them and they are remarkable and I adore them. And they went through many hard things. And all I can say is that I'm glad we have each other. That's beautiful, Celeste. I so much of what you're saying, I grew up I'm one of six kids and we went through some bouts of not so great moments in our lives. So I can, when you're speaking that, I feel that so much. I feel it through my whole body and my sisters, the way we leaned on each other and we still to this day, that relationship is incredible and always finding the beauty and pain. And to your points, there's always so much to grow and Especially like if you do it the way you are, where you give back of service to help others. I mean, that's just beautiful. So thank you for everything you're doing. Wow. It also teaches you gratitude, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because you can be grateful for anything. You name it, I'm probably grateful for it. And gratitude is a superpower. So yeah, a huge practice for you. I read, that right? you have, I read that you have that as your license plate. I totally do. G-R-A-T-H-U-D. Because it is you. It really, it helps you see how blessed you are. It helps you. Did you know those times when you go off and you're like, I was going for something. What, what did I come up here for? Yeah. And mm -hmm. you can't remember what it was, right? All and the time. <laughs> right? And that's not because I used to say when I get an old and gray, don't put me away. I have always been like this. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. And the reason that happens is we're so busy doing the things and a fleeting thought goes by and we're like, we head in that direction and we didn't stop the microsecond it takes to make a memory. So what happens when you stop long enough to go, thank you, spouse of mine. Thank you, child of mine. Thank you, wonderful weather. You're making a memory that you just had something worthy of gratitude like you had and what we appreciate. So if you are all in noticing, just like when you get a new car and all of a sudden they're everywhere and you're like, I right. haven't seen them before, right? Right. So if you're leaning into, I am so grateful for the podcast people that want to be in our community and all the people that love to be with us, the more of that will come because you're feeling and watching them 
drawing them. So if the more grateful you are, the more things you find to be grateful for, and that changes team interaction, that changes everything. everything. So true. Is that like a daily practice or you just on like auto at this point at every turn, you're like, Oh, thank you. Both. I mean, yeah. I can actually be a little annoying if we're going to, <laughs> I'm always like, it's like, Whoa, she's like so grateful. And I, when I wake up, I, before I get up, before I move, I just allow myself time to stretch mm -hmm. and feel the, the sheets and the pillow and the window light coming in and just think about today I get to meet. So today it was, I get to meet you and it was, and I get to, mm, and just think about the things that come to mind, people I love. And that just takes like a minute or two. Right. And then, and mm, and then I get up and I say a morning touchdown prayer that's also thank you and help, please. Then I go to my uh, reading of the morning and kind of write, look at my calendar and write out the things that I just want to, like this today would be amazing. And then I hit it. And and I, yeah, I the rest of the day, I'm still looking for gratitude. I, you name it, I'm probably great. Toilet paper. Who's grateful for toilet paper? This one. Right. Yeah. Or two. Six in your family, right? Mm -hmm. Everything. And then why not say thank you? Why? I mean, I'll just go, so grateful. You end up, I mean, so many reasons to be happy. There's a reason. See these lines right here? Those yeah. are not wrinkles. Those are twinkles. And I'm oh. them fair and square. Oh, this I'm going to steal that. That's perfect. <laughs> I, I have twinkles too. Oh. I feel like that energy that you have, it invites others in. It's, you know, it's contagious. Even through this podcast, I'm like, oh, I have to get back to a gratitude practice. Yeah. Because I, you know, what you're describing, of course, a lot of us, myself included, we've tried rituals. We've tried gratitude journals, but I tend to fall off the wagon. But Thank I mean, you. I feel like you've invited me back in. <laughs> yeah, I have to confess, we should write it down, but I yeah. don't. No. And I do it before I go to bed, when I get up, because there's so much to be grateful for. I know it is amazing, right? Just to your point of running water and you see, you really see it in your travels. I try to, I'm from Honduras and I've taken my kids through Central America and South America for that reason. I, because I, I think too many people stay in their comfort zones and until you really get out in the world and see people and see their joy and their happiness with a lot less. And I'm saying a lot less and yet feel mm -hmm. more alive than people that have so much like you, it's that internal knowing of gratitude just and thank god for another day mm -hmm. even that hot cup of coffee every morning it's like wow lucky mm -hmm. me i always say in life i get to it's never like oh i have to go do this no you know what i get to work out i get to move that mindset shift too is like oh no it's a privilege and it's an honor and the minute you stop realizing on those day-to-day -day things you've lost the joy of life because it You're is so a, right, right? You could take days for girls' kids next time you go to Honduras. Take the education. I will. Right? <laughs> I will love that. Oh, I know it's a global movement, but I'm curious, are there girls for days kits that are needed in this country as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. What does a homeless woman do? Right. What does a person that's a foster kid do? What do they do when they just aged out of the program? 
having something you can count on, whether that's a washable pad or a menstrual cup, is incredibly important because you know, even if it's just every other month you need it, you have something you can count on, right? You would be shocked. I have been, how many people need this? Menstrual products are very expensive. And the fact that they're taxed as a luxury tax just blows my mind. Right. What is that? Viagra isn't. What are we doing? What are we doing yeah. to fix that? So Days for Girls has an advocacy program that partners with all different kinds of orgs addressing this. Thankfully, today, there are more and more orgs stepping up about this in groups and governments. And right. so you can join the advocacy team and get the news and how you can share with your community this law is coming up or go to people and ask a demand that your legislators show up. Like, let's not tax this. Mind, that's not okay on so many levels. 50% of your people that are voting for you, you're taxing because of their biology, I don't think right. so. So you can help in that way. You can volunteer. You can uh, support Days for Girls with donations. Our overhead is so low and the amazing results. Do you know it is, I calculated the other day how much money has come in and how many women, girls, and communities have been reached. And it is less than $13 a kit, all in. Wow, and that's, that's incredible. Right. And it lasts for years. And the education is contagious and goes to everyone, their aunts, their cousins, their and stays in the community. So this is such an easy, let's do it decision. Like a no-brainer, right? For it sure. It really is. Yeah. How do you get funded? We have individual grassroots is amazing. Can I tell you? We also have foundations like Starbucks and doTERRA Healing Hands and others have stepped up. It's been incredible. We have the Honey Pot, which you can find in Target and they're supporters of Days for Girls. And we've have, but it has mostly been grassroots individuals giving. Right. And, and I once had early on an accounting volunteer team say, okay, we're going to bet whether we're going to take you on. And they asked for our numbers and how things were coming in. And they didn't even believe me. They were like, no. well, if you're not going to tell the truth, then we're done here and hung up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. Wow. So they they were surprised that many individuals were moved to donate. Yes. Wow. And small family foundations so would just write the check and watch the impact. And I really feel that is true, that there's so many things that are hard to talk about and more importantly, hard to accomplish, but this isn't one of them. It may be hard to talk about, but this is something we could change in our lifetime. Like this is the suffragette movement of our time. We right. can bring menstrual equity to the world. We can end period poverty this, this round, like right now. I feel like it's you're just, already doing that. Right? We are. You are, you are, are doing that. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, is there an extension of period equity? Is there a next phase that you're dreaming about that you want to share? You know what? For me, I actually felt really strongly that a year and a half ago to start passing on the CEO role that I held for so many years and to continue as advocate champion and supporter of Days for Girls. And part of it was this book that we needed to get into the world and get um, promoted and because if that goes well, like we could reach another million women and girls. That's huge. And honestly, right now, I think we face a real danger. 
Days for Girls is an example of how we could avoid that danger. And the danger to me is that we are so focused on what divides us, how we're different, what we hate, what we fear, that is what's growing. And the trauma of that and things like the pandemic and all of it stacking on each other, uh, there's so much anxiety and there's so much um, separating into our own little arena. And it's really devastating to me to watch because the truth is, if we can lean into what we love, if we can just find the people that love the things you want to do, but don't isolate yourself from another because there are other issues that matter as well. And we just find the things we would love to see happen. We could make miracles happen. Like I, it could, all the things we fear could switch. Like we could take on climate change. We could take on these things. But right now we're so fearful that we're like, I don't know what party is climate change. <laughs> What? You right. Know, like, right. You don't have to take it. a side here. This is for all of us. Right. Exactly. So imagine. So for me, this book is my love letter to humanity. It's about if we can do it with menstruation, it's the New York of issues. If you can make it here, you yeah. can make it anywhere. We can change things that seem impossible. We can do that. But to do that, we have to start trusting each other and deciding what we would love to have happen in our world. That is what I would love to help the world talk about. That is what I would love. And that includes menstrual equity, all kinds of equity. Let's trust each other and let's create the things we want to have happen because we desperately need to or we'll have far worse problems than we have ever had. So your book, is it uh, available now or is it dropping in a few days? It comes out October 3rd. Okay. And it's available everywhere that you can buy books. And pre-orders are happening now. If people, if this shows before the release, then they can pre-order and actually get bonuses that they can only get in that way. And we are just so excited. I'm excited to hear what you think. It's a lot of readers. Can I tell you the other day, I got the gift of sitting with two women, one who had not read the book and one who had. Okay. And the one that had told the other one, I could not put it down. I was trying to go to sleep, but I couldn't stop reading and turning the pages. And finally it was on her phone and she finally had to throw my phone to get myself oh. to stop. And then she said, and then in the morning I woke up, where's my phone? Oh yeah, the book. And she said, this book, makes you a prisoner of hope. Wow. That needs to go on the next book jacket. Right? That is incredible. Yes. That's the best compliment. Yeah. I thought so too. I was like, oof, I'm writing that down. But then I didn't need to because it's so evocative. And the conversations that started happening are the conversations I hope for this book. Just rich, genuine, personal, hopeful conversations. Thank you well, what, for writing yeah, this book. I cannot yeah. wait to read it. And I know in our community, there are at least dozens of women who have talked about wanting to start a nonprofit or mm -hmm. some sort of social activist movement, whether it's run for office or a 503. So it's it feels like this is almost a how-to, you know, following my footsteps, like learn from me, learn what I learned. Is that what I'm hearing? 
Right? It is. It does have some of that. And also what not to do has yeah. that too. Yeah. And because I was very transparent, I it's going to be interesting to see what people say. And, and I know part of that could be, hey, you look like you're a white middle-aged woman. And I am and I'm not. Yeah. Um, and so, so the truth is, so why are you having this conversation? And my answer to that would be, why aren't we all? Right. Well, it was clearly from your story, you were meant to have this conversation. You were in that moment. It was. You, t- you talk so much about purpose maybe. in life and finding your purpose. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that you really try to drive in with people. Tell me about mm-hmm. that for someone who doesn't think they have a purpose, which is obviously observed to all of us because we know we all have a purpose and a calling. So mm-hmm. what do you say to that? Can I answer that in three parts? Points, please. One, one, first of all, where you are is part of your purpose, uh, guaranteed. It may not look that way, but it is. When I didn't start Days for Girls until I was forty-seven, and I thought I'd made my choice. I had a wonderful big family. I love being with them, and so now the career I dreamt of, the software I would design, that wasn't going to happen. But those acumens would be used as a dedicated mom, not knowing that. I would soon, just a few years down the road, road become a global award-winning CEO, which is not to like put in one of those sideways gold stars, but to say that while I was changing the diapers and doing the things that I thought, no way that was going to happen, right? right? And now, fast forward, and you know, I'm 61, full disclosure, and this is happening, the first of these. And so the, there are seasons. That's right. that's one thing. There are seasons and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Lean in where you are and enjoy that moment because there are seasons. And yeah. then two, <clears throat> that I also would say your purpose is those things that feel like they lift you. Like I would sometimes do 18 hour days as CEO and don't do that because that's yeah. a bad idea. That's not good balance. I'm not av- advocating for that. I am saying... It didn't feel like that. Right. It felt like I was doing a couple hours because I would wake up in the morning. Can I start yet? Okay. Mm-hmm. I have to work out before I get to start work. Okay. Right. That was my, <laughs> I had to bribe myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I wanted to start right. When you are doing your purpose, it's not a rock you're pulling or pushing. It's a sail that lifts you up and you're sailing with it because your heart and your whole being is like, woo. And and then I would add that finally that there are so many ways that you matter that you have no idea. I had a teacher in sixth grade and and I was going through really hard things. And this teacher did two things that changed my life. She get emotional. One, she kept calling my name when I had tattered clothes and did not look well-dressed or, and so wasn't bullied because, you know, I double dog dare you to try, but I was not in anyone's circle. I was definitely on the outside looking in, but this teacher kept saying, and what do you think? And what, can you lead the classroom in this? Right. And that felt like me. Yes, you. Yeah. And the second thing she did was so inviting people and like everybody come in. Right. And two, she would give me pieces of paper during our time, and, and I'd go pretty fast. I would use these um, color pastels and make this whole art and everything, and then she would put tape on it and mat it up and 
put it up and then I do another one and she put that one up too. And there was no end to how many I could make before she was, she didn't stop. I was going, wow, all the things I make are that important to you? Yes, they uh, are. We can do that for each other. We can do that for each other. And we never know when you're the one that teaches someone, yes, you. Oh, I love you. That is so powerful. That's really our mission. I'm, mm -hmm. Monica and I say, you know, we want to put kindling on 10,000 kindling projects or 10,000 fires. We want to light the spark. And it could be as simple as looking at somebody's artwork or listening to yeah. them or reading their book or tasting their food. And of course, it can be more complicated. And, you know, there's business plans to scale and all these kind of things. But having that purpose of seeing other people is that's what the Kelling Project is for sure. And I just love that teacher. And I love that story. She did that for yeah, you. And I think what really resonates with me is that you've said a couple of things throughout this podcast is that the power of people seeing you both bad and good, and you received the good and also the power that you were able to see yourself at a very young age where many women still do not see themselves. They just do not believe and see the beauty and the magic that they are. So that is because, you know, you just said earlier, same, another woman, another person looked at you with different eyes and you rejected that. And that is powerful at a young age. But to yeah, your point, I like when you that. are seen, and, that. yeah, but when you are seen and validated too, like you were so open for that and you were so ready for that. And it just built you up and you thought, oh, I can, there, it's, I'm unstoppable. Someone to affirm that, right? Mm -hmm. You may feel that inside, but never have anyone reflect that back. Right. And we sometimes receive messages that put it, if you were stunningly beautiful, but everyone who ever came up to you screamed and ran away, you would think of yourself as a monster, right? Right. It wouldn't matter what you look like. That would be how you would interpret. And we get to be the mirrors for each other. We get to see each other. We get to reflect the good we'd like to see in the world. That was really well said, Mick. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think everything you say is very well said, right, Melissa? Yeah, absolutely. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and I look forward to finding out how we can collaborate, invite you into our community, invite our community members into your organization. It's just, it's I'm all very in. impressive. Yeah. Yes, I know. I'm thinking we have this big event coming up where we've curated lots of speakers to ignite that passion, those passion projects and thinking, boy, Mel, how do we figure this out for the next round? You know, who's going to be your keynote speaker here? We got to have Celeste. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we always end the show with just sort of looking back this week, talk about gratitude. That's one of the things that we like to end the show with. And anyone you want to shout out to this week that has just, or this weekend that you found gave you a little extra oomph in your stuff? Thank you. Ah, so many. My amazing husband just traveled all the way to uh, Canada with me just because he wanted to spend time and support me at the first book signing. So a shout out to Don, who honestly, all over this world, I've sometimes had to travel alone and I have a health challenge. 
And so for him, sending his best friend and saying, sure, that's what you want. I'm scared to death, but do it because I love you. That's amazing. That's the spouse and partner that I got, lucky me. And two, I would say to the phenomenal volunteers all over the world that do Days for Girls, they never cease to astonish me. And it's such a joy to see so much proof that we do really love each other no matter what, that love is still the strongest language of all. Incredible. Yeah, I know. I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. You have all the no. good ingredients. Yeah, if really. Mel, how about you? Anyone for you this week? I am going to do a shout out to our intern, Maria Elena. Because we have a young lady who's been working with Mick and I for a year, and the last couple of weeks have been stressful, and she's really figuring out how to fit into the sort of the ups and the downs and the, and the emergencies and the crises. And it's not that she's not doing great work. She is doing great work, but it's just been an honor for me to watch her grow and learn and figure it out. And I, and I realize, oh, I'm getting just as much out of this as she is. Yeah, just watching this young person figure out how to fit in and how to be helpful and how to compliment us and support us and teach us has been it's been an honor. Yeah, there's power in mentoring. There is power in lifting back and uplifting others and young people are watching. So um, I think Celestia said it, you know, those words, the way you speak to her and speak just positive and help her manage and grow. I think it's a beautiful thing. Watching somebody else grow reminds you, you have to keep growing all the time, right? All the time. So that's great. Thanks, Mel. I'm going to shout out this week. Honestly, I'm, I, I'm going to do this. Celeste, it's going to be you because I feel like my world just got better with you in it. Everything you mm-hmm. said just really tugged at my heart. And I feel like you are one of those humans that excuse my language, I write about this in my blog, illuminators who genuinely are kicking ass in the human category. And you epitomize everything that I sort of look to and want to be. So thank you for being out there and doing it, being it, all of it. So I'm grateful to you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Well, ladies, it's been great. Uh, Definitely, Celeste, we're going to put all your stuff, all where to get your book, your website, all your social handles, uh, where people can check you out, follow you. We'll put that on the show notes. Definitely, we'll be pushing you in our community. And um, just remember, everyone, it takes one spark to ignite the fire within. Until next time, see you later. Thanks, girls. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Want to help us keep the fire going? Share this episode, give us a rating, and subscribe for more awesome content. Also, want access to lots of freebies to fuel your passion project? Well, head over to our website and sign up for the weekly emails. And finally, calling all fire starters. We'd love for you to join our community at the Kindling Project Ignite Facebook group. Bring your ideas, goals, and questions to the group. Remember, no matter where you are in the process of your kindling project, there is a place for you among the rest of the women. Thanks again. Until next time, keep stoking the fire.